Welcome back to Range Anxiety. It's Wednesday morning and it's time for our midweek 30 years of automotive tuning experience and general carry on in about 24 minutes, not 30, but who knows? We might go a little bit longer today and we might not. It's a freezing cold uh, Adelaide morning as per usual this time of the year. It is winter in Adelaide, so stop your whinging everyone. And thank you to that big unit George O'Dowd, better known as Boy George, for that intro track, Karma Chameleon. Um, you know, favourite of Greek grandmothers and Suzuki Swift GDI drivers back in the day. What a big unit George was, and he's still famous today. Cleaned up his act and got on with shit, so good on you, George. But however, uh, George does give us an insight with that track, Karma Chameleon, into uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Because today is a fun Epicast. I'm not going to sit here and winch about lunatics wanting crackle tunes and then wanting to kill you because they haven't got quite the right amount of crackle. No, we're not cooking pork, dickheads. We're tuning cars. But that whole thing that irks us all so much about crackle wankers is uh, also the thing that we've got to consider. Automotive trends. Automotive trends have been around for a long time and there's been some cool ones and some shit ones but there's always been trends that define the era now let's have a look being an old bugger i remember growing up as a little kid and looking at cars from you know as long as my eyes were open and i could talk i was looking at cars or talking about cars or stealing my dad's car magazines and having a read of them and yeah so i knew a little bit about cars well i thought i did and so you know in that kind of 70s era mid-70s, it would seem that the biggest trend to my eyes was like uh, five-slot, like, Orange-style mag wheels or, you know, dragways or that kind of rim. Cheviots, who remember Cheviots, on primer patched local Australian cars. And I used to look at them, you know, old Tiranas, uh, old Monaros, old Falcons, you know, because they used to rust. As soon as you looked at them, the things just burst out into, you know, ferrous oxide because of the, the, the material, the bodies were, you know, poorly prepared. And and so they would have massive corrosion issues, which, which you just don't see anymore, you know. I remember looking at uh, my first cars back in the day and, you know, you had to pick one without rust holes you could put your fist through and that was considered a good one. Speak to like a young punter buying a car now, they wouldn't even know what rust was. Actually, they think it's like a cool look, but we'll get onto that later. Um, so, yeah, a lot of these old banger Aussie shit boxes used to get around with big patches of grey primer all over them, and they looked pretty ugly, and most of them had, like, the exhaust cut off them, and they sounded pretty ugly too, particularly the six cylinders. The V8s, you know, sounded pretty mint, particularly the old Aussie plastic. That's about one of the only things that did well was sound good, particularly that sweet, sonorous... Uh, 253 Revmaster. Yeah, so, you know, cars look sort of like shit back then, or to my eyes at the time they did. And, you know, it was a grungy type of of look. You know, there were some guys that had cool cars and could afford to paint them and fix the rust and whatever, but most people couldn't and just had fair shit boxes rolling down the street. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, this is horrible, you know. But, you know, the wheel turns full circle 
as a guy that collected this kind of crap, um, no better known as Big Banger, told me once the wheel turns full circle. And what once it was shit is now, you know, kind of uber cool. I think they call it patina or, you know, original barn findism or whatever to drive around an old Aussie shit box covered in rust and primer. And, yeah, while it, you know, it's not the best look, I suppose, even to my older eyes these days, it is a lot cooler than the automotive trends that came along after that. There were some absolute horror, monstrous eras that still continue today. Thankfully, it's not as bad as it once was because manufacturers are locking up their cars a little bit more. So let's fast forward to when I was, you know, in my mid-20s and and uh oh, no, young 20s whatever i was a a, a wee whippersnapper and uh i got to work with a lot of car magazines and it was right it was right in that era when the first of the japanese cult cars came around and that boys and girls was uh, the suzuki swift gdi that was before the wrx and further things like lancer evos and whatever so you had like your basic cooking model horrible front-wheel drive, normally aspirated Lancer, or you had your Swift GDI, um, which thankfully, you know, had a twin-cam engine and could rev a little bit, and was actually a bit tunable. And there was this whole car culture, you know, via the magazines that was probably inspired by Max Power from the UK at the time. This was pre-Fast and Furious and pre-all of that era. But uh, there were two, three things, actually, that people used to do to cars back then that were just horrific. And the first one was put aftermarket fiberglass body kits on them. Now, there were some, you know, body kit manufacturers back in the day, this in injection molded plastics and, or, you know, proper plastic body molding techniques, which I'm not really up on, weren't readily available cheaply then. I mean, they're still not now, but people have realised you can't get away with fiberglass body shit anymore. But they used to make these horrible big uh, bars, wings, uh, side skirts that had these big flares on them. And it was really, really, really ugly. But more to the point, people used to bolt this shit all over their cars. Does anyone remember a droid Lancer? Wow. And what about, what about Project Howler from Fast Fours magazine? I was uh, lucky enough to see some of that build. Yeah, it was a Howler, all right. <laughs> woof, woof. Um, was it a Daewoo with a supercharger on it? Mate of mine did like the, the fabrication of the supercharger kit. So, you know, I got to see a little bit of Howler. I think it'd still be howling at the moon these days if it was still around. But anyway, the problem with all of these you know, body kits was the moment you touched a curb, because everyone had slammed their car on the deck, right? They'd have their car riding on the bump stops. If it wasn't aftermarket springs, it was cut springs. It was well before there was... Uh, readily available cheap coilovers. So what would happen is that people would just lower the car till the thing was, the shocks had bottomed out and you would ride down the street just bouncing like you were sitting on a plank of wood. And so not only would that, uh, if you were doing any speed at all, would you hit a bump and it would bounce a car and spear you into anything that was in your general vicinity, whether it was oncoming traffic, a tree, a curb, whatever. This lowness actually used to make sure that every single one of these fiberglass atrocities smashed into a curb every time it parked. And fiberglass has the structural strength in that kind of application of a cornflakes box 
So it would actually, it's not as it's not it's not as forgiving. Just cracks, and there's white shards of fiberglass and big bits of paint falling off. So most of these beautiful cars look like dog shit within about a month of being done. Just absolutely horrible stuff. Thankfully, you don't see that anymore. Thank goodness. And at the same time, these lowered cars with the horrible body kits were around. They decided to put massive wheels on them, you know, like 16s and 17s. But not only were they massive, but they were bloody ugly. Chrome wheels on late model cars are just the epitome of, I get my taste from licking my butthole. Remember that. You heard it here first on Range Anxiety. Never done it. Never will. And yeah, that was a horrible time. That was the time that that the next biggest mod was putting 200 kilograms of stereo gear in the back of your car um, so you could make a shitload of noise and reduce your performance by between 10 to 20% at the same time. Thankfully, thankfully, none of that happens anymore. Yee-ha. So that, that, you know, whole like modified four-cylinder scene and, you know, you got a bit of a kick-off again with the first of the <sighs> Fast and the Furious movies when they were sort of about ugly cars rather than about, you know, stuntmen like flying out of planes and, and hijacking trucks and, you know, all of that general malarkey. They kind of rebooted it a bit, you know, with they, they kind of looked back at the Australian archives, I think, the producers of that movie and said, let's find all the ugliest shit we can in magazines and oh, let's put it on cars for the movie because surely there's got to be some peckerheads out there that'll like that crap. And you know what? Cynical old bastards like me sitting there shaking my head. <laughs> the movies went on to be, you know, a, a multi-squintillion dollar success that still run today. So, you know, there are some that know what they're talking about and others like me. Clearly, that don't. Well, then there was the, the drift-inspired scene after that. Now, I, I'm a little bit responsible for the promotion of that stupidity. Um, it wasn't the stupidity of drifting, because that was a great thing and still is, you know, today. Though, again, those that can do it um, can do it bloody well, and it's a sight to behold, and it's, it's a real thrill to be involved in. But some of the fashions that came with it were just goddamn stupid, and I helped inspire some of them. For example... Uh, when we debuted the sport in Hot Fours magazine, I believe it was, in the late 90s, uh, we found in an FCRX7, the purple people eater, we found like an old dog blanket that was in the back of it. Now, I don't know if it came from Japan or whatever else, but it was a stained old blanket. In fact, I reckon it was like some sort of plaid pattern or tartan pattern or something like that, but it was just a horrible old blanket that you'd probably use to wipe your dipstick with, if that. Um, you, know, you, you never needed to wipe a dipstick in a rotary because the engines never lasted long enough to check whether they used oil or not. Um, but I chucked it out on the ground when we were doing a photo shoot and proclaimed it uh, the drift rug. Now, some of you will be sitting there listening to this going, oh, I remember the drift rug in Hot Fours. And it was pretty cool. But it, what it did is it kind of fired up this whole culture of, of um, sort of... Uh, identifying objects with cars and with car culture and and you know the drift rug was pretty cool and people you know still uh, that are old enough and aren't in uh, retirement villages yet will still talk to me about the drift rug today wanting to know where it was i don't know 
but that kind of inspired all these sorts of other stupid modifications going on to cars uh, like that. Now, proper drift cars never had much of a big stupid body kit on them because it wouldn't last too long. I mean, you know, if you're out there punting the thing around, you'd wipe it off and there'd be bits of shit everywhere. And it's got to that point today where when people, when a lot of people, those that aren't super confident in their skills go out drifting, they take all their bars and skirts off the car anyway. So it looks like, you know, racing sort of ugly JDM skeletons around the park. So yeah, they, they weren't much for this, but the wannabes, like... Who the hell, and I, I still see it these days, thankfully it's dying out, you know, all the tofu delivery drivers, they hang like what's best described as fuzzy gonks from there, you know, the sort of things you'd win in a uh, one of those claw machines that you put two bucks into at the at the 7-Eleven and, and, you know, I forget what they're called, a skill tester, sort of thing you'd win in a skill tester, they get those and they use the actual hole in the uh, JDM exhaust, exhaust tip, the aftermarket exhaust, uh, that's designed to bolt a silencer in and grub screw through, there's a little hole in the bottom of the pipe and they actually put like a key ring through there and drag these fluffy gonks around with them down the road. Now, I know what it is. It's stupid. I, you know, it's, it doesn't really get any more stupid than that. But you should see people's faces that have uh, never been sort of exposed to this madness of culture before. And they're looking at it going, what the hell are these people doing? What is that and why is it hanging off there? It's like, dude, look, you're not one of the Red Suns. Did I get that right? You're not one of the Red Suns. You wouldn't know. You're not full initial D-spec. But even the stuff I've seen on... You know, uh, from initial D, I can't even remember people uh, flogging gronks, or gonks, gronks flogging gonks down the road behind them. But yes, it does happen. And I saw one the other day, which actually uh, brought it to my attention. Like I I was driving to work today in the the Model 3 performance, and there was a guy, I I thought there was an out of control chainsaw next to me. Uh, I was trying to pick some intro music for today. Thanks, Culture Club. And a BRZ uh, pulled up next to me, sort of coasted up next to me, and he was doing about 8,000 RPM and about, oh, I don't know, five mile an hour, you know, eight Ks an hour. And, you know, he pulled up next to me, and he's revenant, and he had a bit of a crackle tune going. You know, there was a bit of, check light out, you know, going on with it. And he was looking at me, and he would have been all of about six foot two, you know, good solid, you know, just a solid lad around 160 to 180 kilo, and he wanted to race me, and I mean, I don't race on the street, I'm too old for that, and I mean, you know, it's a bit unfair um, to line up a Model 3 performance against a BRZ pulling a gonk and a gronk down the road together, so I sort of, no, 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 and I just took off gently, you know, accelerated to the speed limit of 60 kilometres an hour, you know, not any faster than you would normally take off. And the sheer cacophony of noise and stress that was coming out of this thing next to me, it was, it was, it kind of blindsided me. It was that horrible. And sure enough, there was a gonk involved. Yes, the gronk was showing off his gonk. And, you know, it, it was just, what have we done? What have we done to car modification and cars where people can presume that this shit is actually cool? You know, and then, you know, then, of course, there's that subculture of um, some of the old Aussie cars and American cars where, you know, everyone wants to do them like 
Grandpa spec. Now, I don't know if Macklemore started that. With, you know, oh, I don't know. But, you know, Venetian blinds uh, uh, matched with white walls. I mean, it's a look, I suppose, and it's nowhere near as stupid as dragging a gonk down the road behind you or some other bunch of decorative, uh, you know, showtime shit off your exhaust tip. So, you know, we won't be too hard on, you know, the chrome wheel, uh, white or red wall, Venetian blind brigade. It's just, you know, if you actually use that, you know, you put those stickery things on your tyres and you actually use them on the street, you normally tend to grind them off within about, you know, a month and then the car looks like it's got mange. So, you know, yeah, okay, probably for a car show, if anybody goes to those sorts of things anymore, I certainly don't. Yeah, can't stand it, actually. But some of this stuff that's aftermarket applied and decoratively done is not designed to last the test of time. And, of course, it doesn't. It looks like shit very, very quickly. So, you know, people have realised that all of this shit falls off their cars, so they've they've gone to this audiobook style thing where, you know, it's a crackle-tune world. It's a mad, mad a popcorn world. And people love it. When I talk about popcorn tunes, like... I actually have to do one today. I actually have to do a popcorn tune, and it's not on something you would normally popcorn tune. It's actually on a, uh, a six-cylinder, a V6 Commodore, and he has shown me a video on the net of exactly what flavour popcorn he wants. Ba -ba 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 bang And yeah, sure enough, look, I'll do it for him. I'm not that much of a miserable old prick yet that I won't do what I'm asked to do. I said I will try. And yeah, I'll, I'll leave the overrun fuel cutout on and, um, you know, retard the ignition timing to minus 30 degrees and those points on overrun and bang, it'll happen. And that's okay. He's a young guy and he wants a bit of noise and he probably can't afford, you know, a brand new or two-year-old one that still does an RS3 Audi or something like that. So, you know, why not bring a bit of happiness into people's lives, but it's when I get messages from guys who are, you know, touching 40, 45, who have got some dough and have got these nice cars, and they send me, they send me on Facebook Messenger, they send me messages of videos and data logs, like, please don't, I'm not bloody interested at all, and, and, and title them Dem Crackle Tunes with a Z, but anyone that spells tunes with a Z is a retard, right, and not in a cool way. In fact, no. No, they're not intellectually handicapped. And that was actually stupid of me to say that because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much on the spectrum myself. So I'm only poking fun at myself here. What they are is just stupid and immature. You know, a dem, a crackle tunes life. And life is always spelt L-Y-F. Yeah, no, please don't. Please don't send me shit like that. So what is cool these days? Well, you only get my perspective of it. Some, like worn out old man that's over it all like you know i've gone out and I've, I've ordered this plaid and i was going to put the the you get two wheel options your 19s and then you you like your your 21 arachnids which are an extra four or five grand or something people go wow it's a lot of money for wheels but you know four or five grand for a set of wheels with high quality tires on them uh, you know it, and you know they're going to fit and they're not going to scrape and the offset's going to be correct it's a factory did it and they should look all right it's pretty cool um Functional. Let's talk about doing stuff with functional mods. So, 
uh, I'm going to have a look at the brake sizes. And obviously, by the time we get these cars, by the time we get the plat, it'll be like the end of 2022, more than likely. Oh, you know, yawn. If I'm still even here, um, I will uh, measure out the brake sizes if someone hasn't done it before me, which they will. And I'll order like a set of like cool, uh, I'm tossing up between like a set of like uh, world style drag, drag rims in 18 and maybe like a set of like forged uh, Volks or something like that. Because it'd be cool to bring, you know, a touch of JDM, like proper spec, like proper race JDM, not, uh, you know, crap, not knockoff shit that cracks as soon as you touch, touch something. And there's no way I'm putting knockoff rims on a, on a car that's capable of low nines or hopefully high eights out of the box. That, you, you might as well just sign your own death warrant. So I'm going to find the right set of 18s for it and like wrap them in some um, MT drag radials or some M&H race masters or something like that. So the car actually has some a very, very cool lightweight drag you know, wheel and tyre combo so that when we take it to the track, which we're going to do, we're going to stuff them all in the back, just get there, jack it up, swap the rims, make sure it's plugged in, get it up to full charge and just go out and have a whole day's racing. And it's going to look cool like that. I've never, actually apart from uh, people that that rip interiors out and go super light on the cars, I've never actually seen someone fully drag out um, a Tesla yet. So I reckon that'd be cool. And if I'm, you know, feeling uh, sort of Macklemore enough, I'll try and get a Venetian blind for the back of it. But that may be hard since you've got a whole glass roof. It may look, you know, a bit strange. Any, anyway, that's another story. I've got uh, my brother, who's a bit of a graphic design guru, working on something for me there for both Model 3, Model S, and uh, Model Y. And that will all be revealed soon as part of our uh, DTEC EV product range. All I've got to do is give him a Tesla. Oh, thanks buddy um so yeah we're gonna go like uh, good look uh airbag suspension in these things anyway so you can slam it out for photos it, you know you can get it in cheetah stance so the nose is down and that'll be a cool look am i going to try and upgrade the stereo well you can't and i'm going to put subwoofer six, six subwoofer in uh, the back of it um no i'm not going to do that and i'm not going to add any weight to it in fact every mod I'm going to do to this car not only has to look pretty cool, but it has to be functional, i.e. reduce weight. The best news about it all is that, uh, being no tailpipe, there is nowhere for the gronk to hang a gonk. So you'll all be, you know, you're just going to have to look in the, the driver's seat for that one, boys and girls. Um, which sort of nearly brings us to the end of today's Epicast. Uh, we're actually doing some really good things with rankings at the moment. It seems that since I cancelled the show and then thought, stuff it will go again, you know, a bit like a bit like Jordan Belfort did in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. You know, they're not taking me away from this. We're going again. And everyone's yee-haw. And it seems like we've had a bit of a real sort of uptick in, in following, which is really, really good. And we're now into the top ten. Um, in Australia, in terms of automotive podcasts, and, and a lot of them, well, it depends, it fluctuates all the time, but a lot of them are also like uh, imported shows, you know, like I'm never going to compete with the likes of um, Chris Harris on cars because I simply don't have the factory connections and probably uh, I'm not quite as smart. Uh, well, not probably, definitely. 
you know, as Dirty Harry said, a good man's got to know his limitations, and they are certainly mine. But anyway, if you have feedback, send it to me at dtech, D-T-E-C-H, at S-E-N-E-T, S-E-N-E-T dot com dot A-U. The next few epicasts are going to get a bit, uh, a bit rowdy, because I'm going to take Big Paul on on a few things, because... I'm simply not beginning to like his attitude, and I think we've got to serve him up some correction. So for all you keen listeners out there, stay tuned for more Range Anxiety very soon.